0: Welcome to the Construction Disruption Podcast, where we uncover the future of design, building, and remodeling. I'm Todd Miller of Isaiah Industries, manufacturer of specialty metal roofing and other building materials. Today, my co-host is Seth Heckeman, also of Isaiah Industries. How are you today, Seth? doing well how are you you know I'm doing well Um, I discovered recently um, that one of my dogs is a genius Um, really yes seriously so I asked her I said uh, what's two minus two she said nothing (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> okay so so That's one a,
1: that is a better dad joke than bard came up with so i'll give oh you that, goodness, that one Last that.
0: episode we uh we challenged google bard to come up with a uh yeah you gotta go back and listen to the last episode everyone and hear what google bard came up with for a dad joke it was not funny at all um <laughs> so so i will say too one one of my previous things you know when i was Before I was in this business and I was was trying to uh, get something going, I I tried running a dating service for chickens. It didn't work out either because I was always struggling to make hens meat. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, we can also go on with the show here today and just keep rolling through and enough (laughs) frivolity, I guess. Anyway. So, looking forward to today's show, today's guest is Andrew Leggy of Truckee, California. Um, Andrew is founding and managing partner for Havelock Wool, a producer of Wool Insulation. Um, From what I can tell, these folks are really disrupting construction um, by providing building insulation that is natural, sound absorptive, and high performance as far as insulation value, and also well known for its moisture handling characteristics. Um, Andrew, welcome to Construction Disruption. So a privilege to have you on the show today.
2: It's a privilege to be here. Happy Friday to everybody. Thanks so much for having us on.
0: Well, we're looking forward to it. Thank you. And one thing I did forget to tell our audience, we are doing our challenge words this episode. So be on the lookout for strange words that any of us may pop into the conversation at any point that may be our challenge word. There is no special gift if you guess the challenge word, but at the end, we will reveal whether we were successful in working in our challenge words or not. So, Andrew, I'm kind of curious. Seems like a very basic place for us to start this conversation today is um, for you to tell us anything you know about the history of wool insulation in general. Um, any ideas as far as when folks started thinking about it? I mean, I guess it was used for clothing, and that was insulating. But as far as wool in buildings, are is Havelock the first, or were there others doing it before you?
2: Oh, yeah. We're, so we're definitely not the first, and I think it would be hard to pinpoint um, you know, the the first sheep were domesticated about 10,000 years ago. Wow. Um, and so I think it's fairly safe to assume that there would have been folks, um, you know, literally going back thousands of years that were thinking about all sorts of usage for this incredibly high-integrity fiber, which, of course, is a wool fiber, and then a coarse wool fiber. Um, and I'm sure we'll get into the particulars here, but... Um a coarse wool fiber can be particularly good at um, providing insulation, right? and like and, and then we get into merino wool and we start to see a finer fiber, and that's you know what's touching our skin um, and makes us comfortable, you know using wool as a base layer. But I would say that um, you know wool in structures um, would would easily date back thousands of years. Um, And it's probably been refined a little bit and continues to be in the way that we manufacture. Um, But I think that, you know, you can go back um, well beyond any kind of other form of insulation
0: that currently exists. Wow. Very interesting. Well, let's dive right in. I, I, I want to hear more about Havelock Wool, your company. Um, you started, I believe, about 10 years ago. Um, what kind of stirred up this interest in you and, and what brought you to where you are today?
2: Um, I, I was working for, um, for a firm in Southeast Asia, and we were really focused on developing you know, the capital inv- markets and the investment opportunity, and in, specifically in Vietnam. And I worked for two guys who were really dedicated to the mission. Um, They had been there a number of years before my arrival, and um, it was a really amazing experience. Um, The learning curve was really steep. It was really interesting to be in another culture. Um, And I appreciated everything that I got to do there, but I also knew that it wasn't going to be forever. Um, And it just so happened that at the time I was spending more and more time in New Zealand, and I was looking at the the country through a similar lens, which is to say that you're seeing all these great innovative products and brands and marketing stories. and they really weren't expanding offshore in any meaningful way. Maybe a little bit into Australia, perhaps into Asia. Uh, and then, you know, maybe there was one success story in the u s. So I sort of took the view that, um, you know, it might be fun to go take a closer look because I'd been spending a lot more time there, and you know we'd built a house on the North Island, and it literally is my favorite place on the planet. Mm-hmm. and so um, i I arrived with my time and my my interest dedicated to maybe finding something to do that was New Zealand based. Um, and I'm sure that I had a little bit of bias towards um, the food industry because they have some of the best food you've ever tasted. Um, but nevertheless, I was happy to, you know, cruise around and, you know, sit in meetings and, you know, learn about what all these opportunities might purport to be. And I ran into a discussion about the use of wool as insulation. Um, I have a very outdoorsy background in in, in growing up. I had a real um, feel for wool, literally right down to the coarse wool that, you know, I used to have the itchy sweaters and think I was allergic to it. And in fact, it was just the fiber, but not allergic to it at all. Um, and I was sort of, you know, excited to, to do something that would, you know, be more, um, you know, sustainable and, you know, really get something towards a market that was begging for a better product. And, you know, at, when I initially heard about it, I didn't realize all of that, but it doesn't take long to go do some research and very quickly feel like, you know, you're an overnight expert, so to speak. And then, you know, you can start to expand on conversations from there. And once I understood the concept, I literally spent a couple of years um, talking to people, builders, architects, installation installers, um, you know, friends, random people, uh, associates, introductions, like. It's sort of, and, and and you know, I moved back to the U.S. by this point, and I was literally talking to everybody around the country, too, not just, you know, um, certain places that, you know, I could get a meeting by, you know, driving my car within, you know, 30 or 40 minutes or 60 minutes. I mean, I also was very, very um, careful to avoid, you know, confirmation bias. I was looking for people to tell me why it wouldn't work. Um, and the reality is, you know, we looked at this $17 billion, I think it's $15 billion marketplace at the time, which is U.S. insulation. And, you know, frankly, we're not here to beat up the, the, the competition. They're all bigger than we are. But, you know, the products are subpar. Um, and, and I think there's a reason for that, which we can talk about or not. But um, essentially, it was like, wow, there's an opportunity here to put a high-quality high integrity, high performance fiber into this huge market. And wouldn't it be fun to offer the discerning clientele that we think might want this product an option for something way better? Um, Oh, and by the way, this is something back to your first question, you know, that's evolved in nature's R&D department across thousands of years as an insulator. So wouldn't it be literally supernatural to say to somebody like, that's, this is what this fiber was designed for.
0: Yeah. That's interesting.
2: So here's an opportunity to put it in your structure. Um, and so that thesis came together fairly quickly. Um, the 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 execution, um, I was happy for it to take a bunch of time. You know, sort of this notion of like, oh, I think it's a good day. T- I think it's a good idea today, but... Is it a good idea in a month or six months? And considering that it continued to be a good idea, it it seemed like something that we should try harder at. So we launched the company in October
0: 2013. Wow. So you mentioned that, you know, U.S. installation market, $15 billion market, um, number of different types of products in there. And -hmm. you mentioned, you know, wool has superior characteristics over all of them. What are some of the attributes and benefits of wool insulation? what What do you does it offer that other products do not offer?
2: the one of the really cool things about a wool coarse wool fiber in particular is um you know its inherent construct is unlike anything you can create in a lab. Um, and so the easiest way to think about it, if you had a picture under a microscope and you looked at a coarse wool fiber, you would see a very dynamic fiber with five follicles and a lot of things happening versus, say, a cotton one or a synthetic one, which would look like a hollow piece of spaghetti. And you know, the easiest way to explain, you know, this function, I think, for a lot of people is to think about it as like a base layer. You know, if you're skiing in the winter or you know you're trying to stay warm. I mean, frankly, wool's great even when it's hot out. Um, but you know, think about that in terms of a couple things. One, if you're comparing it to Kapeline, which is a synthetic fiber. The and the lack of, you know, the 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 shape and the construct means that it'll work well a couple times, um, but then it will stop working the same way. Um, it will start to smell because you can't get it clean. Um, versus a wool fiber, um, where it's got so much going on and it's designed to um, keep you warm even when it gets wet you know, think about a cotton t-shirt when you sweat, say you're playing tennis Mm -hmm. and you walk into air conditioning, you're freezing to the bone Mm -hmm. until you get that shirt off. That's because of uh, a cotton fiber looks like a synthetic one. There's just not a lot going on. It's not capable of doing that much to help you from an insulative perspective. And so um, that's one place to really start and where that leads to um, is moisture management. And that's becoming really important with the way that we build now. Structures are becoming more efficient. What, what, what's a way of being more efficient? It's built tighter. Um, you know, old buildings had this ability to where the walls would bake dry, right? Because they weren't super tight and there was air yeah. moving through there. So if you had moisture buildup, um, you know, as the seasons change, you could you could have the walls sort of reform themselves and reform and, and add back the integrity because they could get rid of the moisture. Nowadays, these things are so tight that moisture becomes this big issue where a lot of times it's coming from the inside. And right. for sure, it's making its way into your walls. You know, Don't think that the wall board is protecting what's inside the walls from, from vapor drive, um, because it's not. And so um, having that moisture management... Um, is a huge, huge, huge add-on for a fibrous insulation because there's nothing else that does that like wool does. It'll manage moisture against 65% relative humidity absorbing and desorbing, and it's a keratin like your fingernail. It's protein-based, so it's not going to support the growth of mold, um, which is obviously another huge issue in a structure, and we see this all the time where mold develops, and now you're breathing it, and so you've got air quality issues. Um, wool is also, uh, the amino acids and wool will irreversibly bond with harmful chemicals like formaldehyde, nitrogen oxide, sulfur dioxide. These are all things that are in our structures. Um, they're either in the materials or there's something that we create, um, through running the the home. Um, and so there's some huge air quality advantages. Um, wool has a high nitrogen content around 14%. So it doesn't, um, uh, it's naturally self-extinguishing. It doesn't want to burn. Hmm. Um, and so this is what happened to me, and you know, I'm of course I'm an evangelist for wool, um, but you know, this is not about you know promoting what we do. This is this is about all of the 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 science and all of the studying that I did when we were thinking about putting this thing together, and it was like, wow, I mean, this really is the most dynamic fiber on the planet, and it does all these amazing things. Oh, and guess what? It's been evolving on the back of a sheep to protect it from the elements. So why don't we take that and put it in our walls? Because in the end, why do we build anything to get out of the elements and protect ourselves, right? And that's always been the mismatch for me with insulation. We we take this, this horrible fiber that is basically measured on one thing, which is cost, right? And we jam it in our walls. like if you're going out skiing in the wintertime, you're not gonna wear a cotton jacket when it's snowing. You're not gonna you know, wear some terrible um, protective layer to help you avoid dealing with the elements, right? You're gonna get the best jacket you can get and you're gonna follow the technology so you can stay um, warm and you can do more You know, in this case, recreating. And so we're just trying to take these very basic principles that to us make a lot of sense and help people that want to employ them in their house, put them into the space. And so that's what we've done as a business and and the inherent characteristics of wool have made it pretty easy to do, to be honest.
0: How friendly have building codes been to wool insulation?
2: It, fine. I mean, to be honest, um, you know, you, you go do a ASTM C518, and that, that gives you a measure of your, you know, thermal conductivity. Um, and, you know, that obviously ultimately equates to a resistance value, and, a, you know, the higher resistance value, the better. Um, air is a terrible conductor, so trapping air in a cavity can be quite effective to raise uh, resistance values and wool does that incredibly well. And it, it's not just how we make our products, but it's also, um, you know, that helical nature within the fiber. So it's trapping air and therefore it's, it's not becoming a good conductor, which is great um, for resistance value.
1: Very interesting. All, you know, uh, all those attr- attributes sound are incredibly compelling i was curious going back to what you said about indoor air quality so those harmful compounds with names with every letter, letter of the alphabet i can't pronounce but so but what you said i wanted to clarify so not only I guess I came into the conversation assuming that wool would have an advantage in terms of not having some of the nasty off-gassing we can get with other products. But what you said indicated it can even help clean the air that's in the structure of some nasty compounds by binding to it. Yeah, yeah, it's
2: the amino acids in wool, um, and so literally, it's a it's a polar bond that's created. And there's some really cool studies out there um, that that. Make it very easy to understand, um, you know how wool functions in this capacity. And to be honest, a lot of them were done, um, you know, at the end of the last century, and they were focused around wool, the wool carpet industry. Hmm. Um, but but there was also a study done. Oh, I forget when it was now, but it was a it was a young gal that I've spoken to a number of times. She did her graduate work at um, UT Austin. And she built a sort of um, forced air filter, and she was looking for a way to get formaldehyde out of the air. And she found the most effective medium to do so was wool. Um, and and I'm allowed to say it; it's not secret; it's public information. Jennifer Wang did the did the studying, and and you can find it, uh, you know, if you look on the internet. And it's really an interesting read um, to see exactly how wool functions. And, you know, in particular, it's interesting, it's a polar bond. So, um, it's not going to break down unless it's in extreme temperature, or extreme moisture. So basically if you submerged it in water, the bond would break down and this gets really interesting in the air filtration side, which sidebar, it's something we're looking at, um, um, is you could actually clean the filter and put it back. Hmm. Um, if you submerge it in water. So again, it's just, it's one of these things where it's just a magical fiber, right? And, you know, I try to make this point all the time. It's not Havelock wool that's so cool. It's wool that's
0: cool. That's cool.
2: Um, And, you know, we, we, um, we thought that we could just sort of step into the market, make some products and offer it to people. And, you know, they would understand all these advantages and become buyers overnight. Well, that most certainly did not happen. Um, this is a this is an education game, this is an awareness game. Um, and and you really have to help people um, learn. And you know, one of the things that we really focus on here is whether you choose wool or not, at least make an informed decision because you know, there's so much um, that goes into this process. A lot of times people do it maybe once in their life. Um, and you know, what we see is that, you know, there are not a lot of advocates for the ultimate occupier of the space. Hmm. You know, they, they hire an architect, they hire a builder and like each of those groups have their own playbook and they don't like to deviate from them. And so we've had a lot of fun. This is a question I know we're going to get to. But we've had a lot of fun, um, setting our business up to be direct to consumer. And, you know, we talk to homeowners all day, every day. Um, and it's 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 a really rewarding thing. Of course, if they end up using wool, great. Um, but it's really rewarding to help people understand, that, you know, there are better ways to do things. And, you know, the built environment is changing rapidly and there's really cool stuff happening. Um, and so that's really a motivating factor for us on top of just what, you know, the products that we make, but being involved in the discussion all day, every day.
0: So, with the direct to consumer approach, I mean, I assume that there's also times you're talking to contractors as well, um, yeah. but but it is largely a direct to consumer approach that you're taking. Is that right?
2: It, it is, and you know, we started following the traditional paths to market, which are architects and builders. We just didn't get anywhere.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, we had great conversations, but we but we didn't sell any products. Yeah, um, and so at the same time, we were talking to friends and family and people building things and. Great things were happening every single time that happened. So we just sort of, you know, huddled up internally and we were like, you know, let's go make the phone ring. Because if we can talk to people, you know, we can help them appreciate this incredible advantage that this fiber offers. And then it just morphed into this direct-to-consumer play where the hope was always that the building community would come back around once we created some real demand. And that's happening. Um, but you know, it's taken us four or five years.
0: Yeah, no, and and it, it's an industry that doesn't change quickly. We we live that every day, also. That's for sure. So I, I'm curious, as as you work with consumers, have you gotten into um, folks who deal with molecule, multiple chemical sensitivity, um, looking for? I mean, that's got to be a natural, I would think. Tons. Yeah. And
2: very proudly, uh, we haven't failed yet.
0: That's awesome. We get
2: calls all the time and like extreme cases of, you know, people coming home and having to build a house and put like a full sort of clean room shower setup in the garage.
0: Hmm.
2: So anybody who's entering the house has to go through that process um, before they can go in because the chemical sensitivities by some of the occupants are so extreme that. That's what's required. And we had a great um, scenario where another form of insulation was ordered. They thought it was a natural fiber and they thought it could be tolerated. It, um, It has a higher propensity to burn than wool does. And so it had more chemicals on it. And they couldn't be tolerated. And so they were really devastated because they're building this house and they're like, oh my gosh, like we're not even sure we can live here. Um and luckily for us, we got the phone call, we sent samples out, they were tolerated, and we became the provider um, for for that house to get built, which is of course a really proud moment for us. Oh, yeah. And I, you know, I, I'm a little bit removed from our from our daily sales these days. Um, We've got a refrigerator in the office that's got all sorts of handwritten notes on it of, you know, people thanking us for what we do and, you know, loving our product. And I put on Instagram the other day the 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 verbiage from somebody who left us a message saying that, you know, their power bill had come down because of you know, using wool in their house and how excited they were. And, you know, frankly, like if you use another form of insulation, you're, it's a good chance your power bill would have come down as well. But, um, you know, it's just, a, it's just an awesome fiber. And we're, you know, we're really proud to work with it here in our facility. And we're even more proud when we get it out to people and let them experience it. And um, there's probably no more joy than the chemically sensitive folks who are struggling to live in their home. Um, and then on the air quality side, kind of the favorite thing for us to do wherever we can is to get into the school systems. Um, you know, when you got little kids in there, and, you know, Harvard has done lots of studies and made it very clear that there's a direct relationship between air quality and cognitive function, um, and, you know, if we can keep particulate uh, emission down um, and, and you know, add to, you know, a high-quality Air quality environment in in inside of a, a structure, then you know that's sort of a major reason for being for us.
0: Well, all, all the while reducing the potential for mold uh, inside of walls and so forth as well. So, so I'm I'm really captivated by this idea of a product that you know goes from nature into a use. What what sort of processing do you have to do to the wool, um, and and what? Does the formal or the the final product look like is it in bat form or blown in or, or what what does that look like as far as what you folks do
2: so the process we source in New Zealand okay. one of the major reasons why we do that is because the Kiwis are arguably the best cleaners of wool or scours in the world um, it's a it's a it's a big part of their economy albeit a shrinking one um, but they they're and they're constantly innovating and so you know, what's, what's typically left over in, in wool is something called vegetable matter or VM. Um, and like a, a sort of standard amount of VM left in our wool is 0.1% or less. Okay. When you scour in the U.S., you're, you're talk, your, your expectations are about 1% to 1.5%
0: VM. Oh, wow.
2: So the delta is significant, right? You know, you're talking 10X, um, and it's a big deal, um, particularly for the machines that we run, which are old carding machines. Um, and they can come out of tolerance very easily. one thousandth of an inch makes a difference um, and and we may or may not get to this, but the 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 manufacturing process is evolving too, which reduces that the importance of that a little bit. Um, so, you know the other thing that that plays into that is you know New Zealand is hugely pastoral, um, basically the way it works. And this is this is the fun part of our renewable sustainability story is, you know, basically grass is fed by rainfall, sheep eat the grass, sheep grow wool, they get a haircut, it gets cleaned and packaged and sent to us. Um, the largest component of our power bill is the heat in the winter. Um, So it really is kind of amazing how um, small our footprint is for creating this product. Um, We're max density when we ship across the ocean. We literally put uh, 19,500 kg um, into a 20-foot container. We have to use special trailers to move them up here, Uh, triaxle chassis it's called, because they're so heavy. Um, so we're literally at the sort of the bottom bottom decile for logistics costs, um, and then the it was this was always a thing for me is like you'll see certain installation manufacturers, particularly newer alternatives, where they make one product or the other, meaning bats or loose fill, um, and for me it was really important that we would offer both. Um, I didn't want to be in a discussion with somebody saying, you know, oh, you need to lose, use loose fill because it's a better product. It is a better product, but I want you to be able to choose, right? Because my argument kind of stinks. If I'm telling you that loose fill is a better product and it happens to be the only one that I sell. Um, and so for us, it's about, Hey, there's lots of ways to use wool. There's lots of advantages. It doesn't matter which form you use it in. You'll get a higher R value out of the, the loose fill or the blow-in. Um, but um, there's some there's some ease of installation that goes along with bats. And so for us, it's been, we're going to offer both. We're going to try to help you make that informed decision. And, and we're going to hope that it includes wool. But then how you actually put it into your walls, um, that's up to you.
0: Very interesting. So... You know, with, it's really neat having you here today to talk about a disruptive product, and that's kind of what our show's about. But um, what do you see as the future for wool insulation? Do you see any obstacles to growth? Do you think it's going to continue to grow? Is the biggest challenge just getting the word out there? I know even for our products, which are, you know, are maybe a little more common than wool insulation, our biggest challenge is getting the word out there.
2: Yeah, 100%. That's been the case for us. And, you know, I think, you know, four or five years ago, when we started talking more to the consumers, it was a, it was a real sort of, you know, live or die moment for us. Um, And so, you know, again, we had this experience of knowing that it would work well, when we, you know, were talking to homeowners. um, But we weren't having the conversation enough, and there wasn't enough awareness and education. And so, you know, now I think that we know that the product is well-received. Mm-hmm. Um, it's commonly referred to on the installation side as borderline fun. <laughs> um, there is there is no installation that gets that tag, right? <laughs> no. Um, and, and we really do have a following. And again, it's on the back of this amazing fiber, right? And for us, we're just trying to be good stewards of this incredible opportunity to make insulation out of wool and offer it to people. Um, Are we gonna take 10% market share in the $17 billion market in the US? Absolutely not. There isn't enough wool. Um, Are we gonna grow into what we would hope to see as a very fun business where it's a fun place to work, we're dealing with a fun product, we're offering people, uh, you know, this this much better option. Um, and can we grow significantly from where we are today? For sure. Um, can we expand to grabbing different wool clips around the world and maybe producing there? Yes, that is a hope. Um, but really, you know, you know, one of your questions is, what do I do with my my time? Sorry to sorry to front run it. But, no, no you know, you're good what do I do with my time to stay busy? Um, I've, I've always had a, a lot of interest in the sort of impact space, um, you know, in terms of running a business that's impactful. And, you know, we think about Ben and & Jerry's and Patagonia and, you know, Dr. Brahmer's soap. And like, as that has developed over the last 10 years, I, I I just think it's really fun to sit in that space now and think about, you know, the, the old days of, you know, Wall Street barbarians at the gate, you know, get big corporate takeovers, you know, rah, rah, rah. Like I, you know, I grew up in that space, you know, outside of New York City. And, you know, there's been so much evolution now to more of this, like, let's let's run an impactful business and let's be profitable, um, but let's really enjoy, you know, everything that goes along with that. And, you know, there's plenty of businesses out there uh, these days that that have have given us a path to follow, and so I think it's really interesting to be going through that um, that line of thinking right now. And so for me, there's a long runway back to your question um, for us to run against and to build a business of certainly m- much more significant size than than, than we have today. Um, but we're not trying to be a billion dollar company. We're not trying to you know replace the, the big incumbents in the insulation market. Like that's, we don't see that as our job. Um, you know, is there an opportunity to do that and, you know, bring other natural fibers into the equation and, you know, build around that? Yeah, probably. But, you know, we're, we're 10 steps shy of thinking like that. You know, right now we're just really excited about some new equipment that we bought, which is almost fully arrived. Um, And, you know, this stuff travels in 17 containers and occupies 15,000 square feet of space. Um, And that's almost all here. And we're going to set that up and we're going to start adding to our suite of products as a result of that. And then we'll kind of see where that takes us. But, um, you know, on the one hand, you would look at this and be like, wow, we've been doing this for 10 years. That's a long time. You know, what's taking so long? And on the other hand, you know, we've been very practical um, and conservative in, you know, sort of stair-stepping our way through this. And, you know, we've, we've, we've created a backlog in, in our, um, in our production and our sales because demand is running ahead of what we're capable of doing, which is why we've now brought in this new piece of equipment. So I think for us, we can grow significantly. I think we can add a lot more to, um, you know, the integrity of, Structures being built and that'll continue. That's been our goal and it'll continue to be our goal, um, you know, until we really press into, you know, needing more uh, raw material.
1: You you mentioned there not being enough wool. I, that was a question that was kicking or you know, bouncing around in my head. How many sheep does this take? I don't even know what the metric would be, but sheep haircuts per house or, you know, one haircut per lineal foot of a 16 inch on center, you know, studs. I was just curious how far this goes.
2: Good question. I mean, I can give you some some I, I, I can't draw the line for you, and I, I I should be able to, so my apologies. But you know, a haircut happens every five months, so just call it twice a year. Um, that tends to be about five kg or ten pounds. And then it varies between bats and and blow-in, but you're you know, think about like one and a quarter pounds per cubic foot is our density. Um, so, you know, New Zealand has 30 million sheep. Um, those numbers are coming down. Um, Eastern Europe has a lot of wool. Australia has a lot of wool. China has a lot of wool. Um, North America has a very little bit of wool. Um, but there is some here and we would love to be processing it. And that new machinery that I mentioned, um, will allow us to be a little bit less particular about, um, the consistency of the wool, right? So if there's a little bit more VM in there, as long as our as our clientele can tolerate it, we can make it. Um, and and we expect. I mean, we get calls from around the world, uh, you know, probably twice a week these days, saying, "Hey, can we do something with you guys?" Um, and and we want to, but we need to be careful, and we need to, you know, be good at running in this facility, and then grow from here in a, you know. Um, practical and manageable way.
0: So I want I want to back up a little bit, and we we touched on it earlier as far as the moisture handling characteristics, and you know that's a topic that we end up talking to folks a lot about as a roofing manufacturer. We're talking about ventilation and moisture. So um, how does wool handle moisture? I assume it, it. It it tell me a little bit bit about that. How how that works.
2: Yeah, I mean again it's it's the follicles in the in the construct of the fiber. And you know, one that allows for the moisture management to occur so effectively. Um it's also great for sound.
0: Right. Because imagine. every
2: time every time sound bounces off something, um it's dispersed, right? And so literally it goes flying into that fiber and bounces around versus you know, back to that spaghetti where it might bounce into the fiber and bounce right back off. Um, and then literally the, the moisture piece, you know, it's, it, it, yes, it's moisture, but you know, it's think about the elements, you know, hot, cold, wet, dry, like this fiber has been on the back of a sheep evolving literally over thousands of years to protect from all of these elements. So like I'll wear like a long sleeve wool, uh, base layer to go hiking in the summer, you know, I, I live in Tahoe and it can be really hot when you get up on the on the hillside and I'm still incredibly comfortable. So wool is literally managing this for you, um, you know, whether it be something next to your skin, uh, a blanket that you're throwing over yourself to stay warm on the couch or if it's in the walls of your house.
0: Very interesting. Well, it's apparent to me that, you know, your whole whole ethos about your company is to do things right and, and do, do them well. Um, and, and that is your goal. And, and I love that. Um, great to, uh, great to hear that. And you're right. Uh, lots of leading companies out there taking a, a similar tact. And so that's fantastic. Um, well. This has been really informative. We're close to wrapping up sort of what we call the business end of things. Is there anything we haven't covered yet today um, that you would like to share with our audience?
2: I think sustainability, um, you know, is, is forever becoming a part of our discussion in the built environment. And, you know, what what really is the life cycle of these products? And, you know, the built environment is obviously a huge contributor to, greenhouse gases, and in turn, one would assume climate change, you know, that conversation can get political, which, you know, is never our goal, right? But we are very aware of, you know, the weather and extreme weather events and the fact that they're on the rise. In fact, I was in New Zealand in February, uh, right after the cyclone hit, and Mm -hmm. it was absolutely devastating to see what happened there. So I think that, you know, as sustainability, you know, more and more washes on shore, I try to get to Europe at least once a year. Um, it's, It's very prevalent in the discussion there, you know, in life, but certainly in building. And every time I come home, I'm, you know, I pound the table and say, we need to do more. We need to do more. Well, I think that's happening. You know, we've been really focused on this for a long time, but I was literally reading about a ski jacket the other night. Um, made by a company that I'm a big fan of called Mammut. Um, it's a Swiss company, and um, I mean, three times in the little blurb to explain the jacket, they're talking about you know the environment and sustainability. And I just think that that's where long long run demand is going. Um, and I think that you know people are becoming more and more aware of that. And it's really great to see it start to make its way into the conversation that we're a part of, not because it serves our interests, um, but because that's why we got into this, Mm -hmm. right? And when you look at, you know, environmental product declarations, I mean, they're still skewed and they're unfair and they, you know, cater to, you know, the companies that don't have as much of a sustainability story. Um, But it's okay because they're going to figure it out, you know, or they're going to go away because I think that demand is going to require that things change, um, and so for us, you know, that doesn't happen, you know, every hour of the day that we sit here and and we have conversations. But um, it is cumulative and it is adding up, and we can really feel it in what we do, and it's really fun to see more and more companies come into the fold. Um, And and frankly, I think it just makes our job easier. So, um, you know, we're not sitting around saying, okay, great, we've been out ahead of the wave and now the wave is catching up so we can just keep, put our feet up. Um, You know, quite the opposite. We're trying to push further into the discussion um, and become um, more aware and understand better, you know, new building practices, you know, but you know, for example, passive house and you know the adoption of what's going on in, in that type of building, and so um, I just I think it's really inspiring to see that you know the world is changing and people are trying to do better, and we are one very small component of that. You know, proudly we're 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 part of the discussion, but it's much bigger than us, and I think it's really cool to see. That people are, are starting to pay attention. And sure, you know, it's not mainstream, but it's becoming much easier to find ways to build better. And, you know, we see it happening every day. And I think that's inspiring.
0: Oh, absolutely. And uh, love what you guys are doing. And we will do all we can to uh, tell the story of Havelock Wool out there. So, well, yeah, and we don't need to, you know, you
2: know, we don't need to create some phantom environment where you know we're um, you know obfuscating the truth. The, the The reality is, you know, the we we continue to see people build. They they continue to think about cost um, as a main driver, um, and so you know the education part is really, really, really important because you know these things do get cheaper as adoption goes up. You know, we've seen that with solar panels. Um, You know, we see that in, you know, forget about the products, like a contractor. If you wanna build, you know, to a passive house standard or something close to it, it can be very hard to find somebody to even do the work. Um, And that's all changing. So things are (coughs) very happily, sorry, I'm being redundant, but I'm just, I get so excited about it. Um, things are moving in the right direction and there are great avenues and places to learn. So if people want um, to do a better job with their building, like the opportunities are there.
0: Very good. Well, thank you so much. Um, Before we close out though, I have to ask you if you are interested in participating in something a little fun we do at the end of every episode called our rapid fire questions. Um, Oh yeah. These are seven questions Andrew has no idea what we're going to ask. So, you up to the questions? Oh, yeah, for sure. I love this stuff. Let's do it. We will alternate asking. Seth, you want to ask number one? Sure. Question number one. What what product
1: have you bought in recent memory that has been a disruptor or game changer for you?
2: Uh, A company called Real. I buy um, paper towels and toilet paper from them. They're made out of bamboo, um, and they deliver them on a schedule that I choose directly to my house. (laughs)
0: Very good. Shout out to Real. Well, check that out. Question number two, what would you ultimately like to be remembered for? Uh, I have a background in curiosity, and I
2: find myself typically going against the flow. Um, So, you know, I'd like to be remembered as someone who was, you know, unafraid to try to change things for the better.
1: Love that. Fantastic. Love that. (laughs) What was the first car you ever owned?
2: An Isuzu Trooper. (laughs) That's a unique And If anybody's trying to break into my bank accounts, I think that's one of the questions. (laughs) (laughs) But but sadly, I'll tell you, there isn't much there, so I wouldn't waste (laughs) much time on it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) The Trooper was sort of a truck, wasn't it? Yeah, it was like an SUV, early stage SUV. And it was five speed. Absolutely. Okay, I remember it now. Sure. Very good. Okay. Next question. Is this me again? Okay. Are you a morning person or a night owl? Morning. Very good.
2: Although living in Asia, you learn to burn the candle at both ends because there's a lot of work and a lot of fun to be had. Wow. But uh, for sure, both my wife and I are morning people.
1: Very good. You've traveled a lot of places. What, what is one place you would most like to visit again?
2: Yeah, I have been very lucky to see a a good portion of the world. Um, My wife and I actually are in somewhat of a competition and we're both right around, we're just over 40 countries. Wow. Um, Wow. The um, New Zealand is my easiest answer here because it's my favorite place on the planet. But, you know, of all the trips that I've been lucky enough to do, the one that really stands out is like if I had to choose tomorrow, like what trip would I redo? Um, A few years ago, I got to go skiing in Alaska, and um, it's next level amazing up there. Mm -hmm. Very cool.
0: Very good. Next to last question. I'm going to change it up here a little bit, Seth. Um, This is one of my favorites. So you are trying to survive a zombie apocalypse. Who is the one person you most want to make sure is on your team?
2: I have a friend who is Australian who became a very good friend in the days living in Asia, and um, he's now actually in Portugal. We were just over visiting last summer. Um, And I just always describe him as the guy, like, if you needed somebody standing next to you within the next 24 hours, um, and, you know, you were going to war, so to speak. I've never been to war, so I'm not really allowed to say that, but let's just say hypothetically. you know, and you had one phone call and you needed the person to be there within 24 hours, who would it be? It,
0: it's this person. Uh, very interesting. It's like a Swiss Army knife human, maybe. His name's
2: Andrew. I'll just say that.
0: <laughs> cool. It's another
2: Andrew.
1: Last question. Do you prefer the top or bottom half of the bagel?
2: Oh, wow. What a great <laughs> question. Every once in a while, my, my son and I get bagels. And I always debate, you know, oh, which one am I going to give to him? (laughs) Uh, And it's this debate of like, should he get the better one or should I get the better one? And I
0: think that uh,
2: the view is that the top half is better.
0: Yeah, that's where I am too. Not everyone feels that way, though. So I like the bottom too. (laughs) (laughs) Good deal. Well, I um, need to recap our challenge words. Um, Seth, did you get yours
1: in? I did. I think I was first. You so did. alphabet.
0: Oh, were you really? Yeah. You're you were. Alphabet. You were. I completely you missed You talked about seat. some
1: form of the alphabet.
0: See how good you were? I didn't even catch it. Um, I worked mine in. My word was captivate. Andrew, you were also successful. Your word was?
2: phantom and i had to really stretch that was a tough one and i'm not really sure it was relevant but i went for it anyways <laughs> it <worked. laughs>
0: I, I want to point you know, out worked.
1: andrew g- did his challenge word phantom in a sentence that also included naturally obfuscate. so o- ob- yes. he yeah. was one upping us yes so that's a <laughs> I can, well
2: remember <laughs> that i th- i thought about throwing out heteroscedasticity
1: <laughs> Uh, I'm very grateful which, you didn't, but yeah.
2: It was in jest, <laughs> yeah. so um,
1: but
2: yeah, no, that that's a great thing you guys do, and literally, I, I sat here thinking the entire time, like, how am I going to say Phantom?
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, you worked at it in perfectly. Oh, uh, that was fun. Um, Andrew, this has been great, very eye-opening, um, fantastic to hear about your product and what you are doing. So, for folks who want to get in touch with uh, Havlock Wool, well, how can they most easily do that?
2: You know, as a direct-to-consumer play, we we really have have evolved the way we do things, such that you know we try to be very informative on our website. Um, we you know encourage you to look at it because we we get all sorts of questions all day, every day, and we literally you know, it's not real time, but we try to make sure that those things find their way onto the site into places that are easy for people to find so they can get their questions answered. Because the reality is a lot of the questions are the same, you know, with the slightest deviation. And so um, the, 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 we, we hope that you can find what you need there, but if you can't, there's lots of ways there to figure out how to contact us. Um, and we're we're very happy um, to to answer your questions. Um, and you know we'll do our best, and hopefully that leads to us being able to you know provide a product that you're interested in, um, and maybe it's just a conversation about cool ways to build, and you end up doing something else. Uh, but but we're we're here trying to offer ourselves, you know, as an educational resource. We will stop short of um, you know saying what we can't say. Right? We're not building scientists. We're in the discussion all the time. We get questions that are building science related. We have resources that we lean on and we connect the dots or we help with the answer. Um, but we try to be very informative, but we don't step out of our, our comfort zone and, and, you know, try and be something that, you know, would be misleading
0: uh, yeah. potentially. Fantastic. Well, the, the website is havelockwool.com. Is that correct?
2: That's correct. Yeah. Sorry. It's, a,
0: it's a great website. I've been on it. I loved it. I love the whole feeling that you've created with your brand. Um, just top notch, good stuff. And, and you're right. Um, you are just putting the information out there, and uh, I love it. So,
2: yeah, thanks. We're trying hard, and we really appreciate it. And we really appreciate being here. Um, you know, we we say all the time we need a bigger microphone and um, you know, you guys are helping and both of your microphones are bigger than mine I can see by <laughs> by this publication. I can uh, kind of hide so behind we, it a little bit. So we really do appreciate it and um, you know, we're we're here doing our best to have fun every day. Um and and anybody who wants to stop in is always welcome. Um and otherwise we'll just keep at it and hope that, you know, we can, we can keep, uh, you know, expanding the realm of those who are informed.
0: Well, this has been great. Very, very informative and uh, fantastic discussion. Thank you so much. And I want to thank our audience, too, for tuning into this episode of Construction Disruption with Andrew Leggy of Havelock Wool, Disrupting Construction as a Manufacturer of Wool Insulation. Please watch for future episodes of our podcast. We're always blessed with great guests. Don't forget to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or YouTube. Until the next time we're together, keep on disrupting, keep on changing things out there. Don't forget to have a positive impact on everyone you encounter. Make them smile, encourage them, simple yet powerful things you can do to change the world. God bless and take care. This is Isaiah Industries signing off until the next episode of Construction Disruption. This podcast is produced by Isaiah Industries, manufacturer of specialty metal roofing and other building products.